Welcome to Mountain Mama's Misadventures, stories of mishap and adventure from women adventurers. Every woman has a story she can share from the zany to the inspirational. Brought to you by Mountain Mamas, a nonprofit women's adventure organization. Women empowering women to adventure. My name is Emily Hacken. And I'm Deborah Moore, and we are your hosts. And we're excited. This is part two of Everest Base Camp with Erin Pine, my dear, dear friend from back, back in the day. And she's Originally from Fresno, California, lives in Orem, Provo. Provo. <laughs> we know each other live? real well, though. Our, guest, our a previous guest from a while ago was in Orem, so yeah, I get it. It's one of the cities around. You're from Nearish, here, Hirish, um, and she's fantastic. She's got three kids, two boys and a girl. Um, she's been married for a decade and a half. And a fun, I have so many fun facts about Erin that I could share. Is there one that you want to admit to? Well, you could even say, like, what your job is that you're doing right now. Yeah, Erin's currently working as a... Kindergarten aide. Which is the her the epitome of her career as a microbiologist. <laughs> That's why I went, to, I went to school. So you could look at all those kids and go, oh, so many microbes so on many your face. Germs. So many germs. I am, Don't touch that. I can't. I can't. I have to do a full body... Yeah, I love you. Fumigation. I love you. Turn around and blow your nose first, and then we'll talk. (laughs) Okay, and I have to say, your back to school pictures are always my favorite because for her kids. No, No, for Eric. Because because like I'm one of these moms who like totally forgets to take the first day pictures. And so I'm, like, scrolling through, seeing everybody else where they've got their kids' birthday pictures and all of that. And I'm sure you probably do that, too. But then I was, like, scrolling past and see Aaron, like, and you were just, like, first day of school and holding, like, your lunch. You're like, I'm so proud or whatever. I can't remember how you said it. Fifth year of kindergarten. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Fifth year. can't seem to pass. Fifth, fifth year of, of, of kindergarten. When so proud. I about died. It made my day. <laughs> so I, I love it and just your expression in that video in that picture was so so cute it just really it did it made my day <laughs> so we wanted to kind of talk about moving from so last episode we talked a lot about Kathmandu coming training for Everest Base Camp which was hilarious our under training um, and then um, Kathmandu which is under training and overeating <laughs> <laughs> under training overeating did you overeat? It sounds to me like you ate just the right amount. <laughs> we didn't eat enough. That was our problem. Anyway, that was our plan. So you'll have to, you'll find out as we tell our story whether that was a successful plan or not. <laughs> anyway, so um, to get to Lukla, which is the base city in the Himalayas um, that you use to start your trek up to Everest camp, Base Camp, um, you have to take a plane to get there. Do you want to tell them what these planes were like for us? So let's start with the airport. So the the Kathmandu airport is so lackadaisical about security. They just kind of dump out the luggage on the curb and you <laughs> take what is yours or anybody else's that fancies you. <laughs> it's true. And when you go to board the plane, they take you behind this sheet and ask if you have any cigarettes. And if you do or don't, you hand them over, and then you're free to go. That's the extent of their I didn't security. remember that part. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and if you did, they're nicer to you or something. <laughs> um, so we got on this this small plane. Did it hold all of us? Yeah. All of us went in one plane? Yeah. So there must have been 12. Yeah. 
12, including the pilot? 13, because there was a pilot and a co-pilot. Okay. And then there was just us, and it was in a, it was called Yeti Airlines. Yeti Airlines. <laughs> and. And we had to wear headphones. Uh-huh. Because it was so loud. It was a prop, a Russian Ooh, prop plane. You're like, oh, this is how we die. It's like, just little planes always, like, freak me out. And, and like, you were seatbelted, like. It was like one on each side. Like there was an aisle and it was yes, just like yeah. one, 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 one. Right? Mm-hmm. Am I thinking? Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. no bells and whistles, of uh-huh. course. Uh-uh. It's Nothing. Russian. Uh, Very simple. Efficient. I know. Efficient. Very efficient. We're just keeping this to what what the basic, it, I don't know. Yeah, we, we took off and cleared tree line and the pilot took out his newspaper. <laughs> yeah. He started reading his newspaper. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And we're like watching the tops of the trees around our feet. So true. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Well, this is how they do it here. Well, the co-pilot, I think, was doing something on the other side. I have a picture of him reading the newspaper because it was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So then you land in um, a town called Lukla, which is about 9,400 feet or so. And uh, so I read a book about this airport after. This airport was, um, the runway was made by getting the locals drunk and having them stomp down the runway in, in a dance, in a big, in a big all-night-long dance. Just Like stomping down the runway as in like they were just stomping down the snow? I stomping don't understand. Down, stomping down the dirt. The dirt. Oh, it's like on the, so it's it on the side of the mountains. Okay. Like it's not at the bottom of the mountains. It's like in the middle of the mountains. And it goes up to the mountain. And <clears> it's <throat> like the shortest runway in the world. And if you don't stop in time... You're going to explode in the, to the side <laughs> of the It's like 20-degree angle or 30-degree angle. It's something crazy. You're not flying onto oh. a flat runway. Yeah, you're coming in low. and then Going you, uphill. And then you hit it, and then you go uphill, which is even more thrilling when you take off, I'm just saying. <laughs> and I have mentioned this airport to a couple of my pilot friends, and mm-hmm. they all know this airport. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, I read about that one. Yeah. And they're all like, don't, why did you do that? <laughs> I think they all secretly want to do it and see if they could do it. Yeah, yeah they do, I'm sure. But it was hilarious that we were they were trying to land this crazy, rickety Russian prop plane on this wild airport like runway. Anyway, we thought we were gonna die. Yeah. I, I thought I, it was I, don't, I don't know if it's paved now, but I don't think it was paved when we were there. Oh yeah. So yeah. it was a bumpy landing. <laughs> Lukla. So we got to Lukla and then that's where we met our porters, our pack of porters. So we were only high carrying a backpack. And then they were carrying all the other stuff. That's what we paid our money for, our big bucks. And then they also had a whole herd of zoos, mm-hmm. which are... So zoos are a, are a cross between yaks and cows. Um, so the yaks only live at high elevation, and the cows can't, can't go up that high. So they've crossed the cow with a yak to make a zoo, an animal that can go all that that full range of elevation, which I thought was interesting. And it's not as moody as yaks, because yaks as, are pretty yeah. moody. Yeah. They're, mm, okay. they're snarly. <laughs> and, Our and zoos were still super snarly. Yeah. They were, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. we had our... I came out of the tent bathroom once, and there was the rear end of a zoo right in front of me, and I was like, I don't know how to get around you. <laughs> it made for awesome pictures. And I kept trying to ride them, but it was never going to happen. I tried, but Yeah. <laughs> The porters were like, you're just going to die. Don't do that. And it was neat because, like, you heard the name Sherpa a lot. 
And Sherpa is actually just the last name of a village. I mean, they're the people in that village, they're, you know, a lot of their last names are Sherpa. And the group that we got, that we had, their last name was Tamang. And so, I mean, all our porters mostly were from the Tamang village. So Sherpa is actually, it's not the correct term to use. It's porter. Anyway. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, <clears throat> I didn't know that. Yeah. But they were, yeah. How many did we have? Like nine or 11 or? At least as many as there were. Of us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, strapping young yeah. men. So they, and they would carry and, all of the tents and all the gear and all the food on the and load it up onto the zoos and and trek kind of along no, well not alongside us, um, you know, before or after our the people in our group and then they, you know, set up camp and cook dinner and filter well, boil water and um, get all that stuff ready for us. Yeah. And they were Trim and fit, but sh- I noticed they were short. Like the Nepali people are a little shorter. Um, Perfect, so, perfectly happy walking barefoot. Yeah, there. some just had flip flops. You know, oh. yeah, tough. And they don't carry their they. A lot of them don't have backpacks. They carry the weight on a strap on their forehead. Oh yeah, I remember seeing those pictures. And they have these huge bags. Like they'll set up the your bags and duffel bags or whatever in these other bags, and then just carry it all. Yeah, with no waist belt or anything. It's just a big strap on their forehead. And, like, their hands um, behind their backs to kind of support the weight. Tough. There was a whole smoked pig in one of those. Pig. It was pretty gnarly. And I remember on that first day, we saw this little girl, I don't know, six maybe, five or six, coming up the trail below us. So kind of cutting the, you know, she was just coming up the mountain to our trail where we were hiking. And it was so incredibly steep. And she was so steep, she couldn't see us above her on the trail. And she was carrying, like, a five-gallon thing of water. It was something crazy with just a, 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 a forehead strap. And she had her hands back there. And she would just go, like, five steps and then stop and then five steps. Like, she was just, I was just like, these are tough people. Mm-hmm. And I also now see why they're a little shorter. Yeah. <laughs> like, compressed down. Oh. But she, wow. I was just below. I'm like, that is power and stamina there. Like, I was, I was just amazed with her. Yeah. Yeah, when so people cool. are like, do you even lift bro? And you're like, no, the six-year-old, like, that's... <laughs> she's like, she's got it. She's, she's tough. It. She's a tough gal. But And the trail was... Do you want to describe what the trail was like, hiking on the trail? So there were a lot of suspension bridges that we crossed. Um, they measured things not in miles like we're used to here, but in time. So oh, so they, not even in kilometers or anything like that, but it was just... They would always tell, oh, six to eight hours to get there. Like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> But the thing about hiking at that elevation is you want to go slow, which for me, it was really hard to to make myself go slower because I was excited. I wanted to be there. I wanted to get there. Um, but when you hike slow, your body has time to acclimatize better. So that's why they want you to take that six or eight hours or whatever it is to mm. get to your destination. Yeah, I think they do that on purpose because they want you to be more time-focused instead of distance-focused. That makes sense. Yeah. Actually, that does make sense. So that instead <clears throat> that people aren't like, Psh, I could do that, like, you know, in four hours. And they're like, no, yeah, you couldn't. Like, we would have done that. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> we totally would have done that. Just as you can doesn't mean you should kind of thing. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. And the water, we, you're hiking most of this trip is alongside a beautiful river. And it. Um, dude river. It was the Dude River. What? Yeah, it was totally the Dude River. And it was, I feel like the water was kind of like a pale blue. Am I thinking right? Because it was like this weird kind of glacier. Milky. 
Yeah, it was like a milky pale oh, blue. Okay, so it wasn't because of mineral coming into it, like it's from the glaciers. But it's the glacier because it, yeah. okay. it was coming literally off. Yeah, I mean the Himalaya, mm. the freaking Himalaya glaciers. Like it was so cool. You gave yourself a haircut. I did do that on the banks of the Dude River. I did do that. <laughs> I was. Were, so were you feeling chill? Were you feeling the dude energy? <laughs> I was. I was, and I looked like a. A shaggy surfer girl after that. Like, my hair was, it was, like, not a butch, but it was, like, higher than my ears. Like, it was uh-huh. super short. I was just so sick of it. And so none of my pictures are very flattering after that. <laughs> <laughs> but who cares? You had the dude energy. I had the dude energy. <laughs> um, I remember passing passing people that were coming back down from their trip um, and, and thinking, man, they look so weathered and they're tan and they're wrinkly and they're filthy and man they stink like something bad and well on the way back down (laughs) when we were done and we were walking and seeing the people coming up and we're like oh is that the smell of deodorant (laughs) it smells so good (laughs) clean and happy look at those fresh faces (laughs) i remember seeing a woman coming down on because these roads are all rocky or dirt I'm a narrow, and these villages up in this part of the Himalayas are connected just by pedestrian and, you know, foot, by foot traffic trails. There's no cars up there, mm-hmm. um, no bicycles. No so everything's, everything's by, you know, by Zoe or by foot. And, um, and so there was a gal that was super sick coming down with her group, I saw, and she was being carried down on a horse, which is how they did their evacuations. And I remember looking at her and going, man, she doesn't look that sick. <laughs> I think she just wants a free ride. <laughs> As I would later find out the irony of that. But anyway, yeah, so that's how they would do part of, you know, unless it was a helicopter evacuation, that's that's the best way they got people out. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But most of the people were looking good. I remember the bathrooms. We took lots of pictures of bathrooms. I did. I don't know. I'm like a bathroom connoisseur on these trips. <laughs> I'm always like, because they had um, outhouses had, um, you go in and, and it's like a hole mm-hmm. and you just sit there and you squat through the hole, but they have in the corner was like a pile of like pine needles and dead leaves and stuff. And then that's what you put on top. So it keeps smelling good, if that makes sense. I remember thinking that was brilliant. I don't know if it smelled good, but, but less better. Bad. I don't know. There was a couple. I was I was impressed with how they didn't stink as the bad one, as I thought. The ones on the side of the cliff with lots of airflow. That was the one I was thinking of. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> it was. The views were great. If I didn't have a door, yeah, they were awesome. And then this is also where I learned like... They burn. They burn yak dung for fuel. Oh. Because there's no trees. Like, a lot of them have been cut down. Yeah, I guess that totally makes sense. And a lot of their houses are made out of stone because of that. Yeah. Lots of stone. So all of their fences are made of stone boulders. And it's just exhausting to think of how much time it would have taken someone to keep in a horse or Mm -hmm. a goat. Oh, yeah. Um, So the, the women in the villages follow their cattle around and wait for them to poop, and then they scrape them up on on these little boards and slap them on the stone fences and kind of smear them out to dry. And then they go back when they're dry and scrape them off, and that's what they use to burn fuel for cooking or for warmth in their their little huts. Um, And because of that, there's a lot of particles in the smoke, (laughs) in the air as you pass through these villages. And um, there's a thing called the kumbu cough, and it is caused by that yak dung mm. in the air, Emily. Knows. At least at the lower elevations, yeah. I feel like you get a kumbu cough in the 
when you're actually climbing Everest, and it's a whole other thing. But like for our team, especially for our trekking crew, like the Kumbukaf for us was just, yeah. And I also learned the importance of having a cover on the end of your yeah, um, camelback hose. Because like, you know, you're, you're hiking, you've got your camelback and you're drinking your water or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you stop and you throw your bag on the ground. <laughs> and that mouthpiece, I was not thinking, just gets, mm -hmm. you know, it's wherever. It's just open to the air. Everything, like it would get in the dirt, it'd get on the rocks. But like everything is just covered with a thin layer of yak dung. And yeah. you hope that most of the yaks are healthy, but but they're not always awesome. <laughs> and I would anyway. That was something Whoa. I would later learn um, the consequences of that action. So come back to haunt uh, you. <laughs> I, I have to ask the the cough. The, and you said it was the kumbu? kumbu. Kumbu. It's named after the glacier, the first glacier you cross out of base camp. Okay. Is it? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you guys don't know. Is it more of a Westerner thing? Like meaning, like do the people who live there normally suffer so much for that, or is it more like people who are just not used to it? Probably <coughs> people who are not used to it. I don't okay. remember the locals coughing mm -mm. like okay. we were coughing. Yeah, because yeah. um, people could break ribs from it coughing whoa. so hard. Okay, because I was just thinking initially, like how ingenious people can be in their circumstances, no matter how rough they can be. And then when you're talking about the cough, I was like, oh no! But like that makes sense if it's not what you're used to. Mm -hmm. You know how your body builds up immunities, and I don't know what all because um, that's not something that I'm familiar with. But that you know, just kind of was interested by that. But yeah. anyway, I'll let you. No worries. Yeah. And then, um, so we went to, we spent our first night in Fakting at 8,000 feet. And then we spent a couple nights in Namchi Bazaar, which if you've done the Everest Base Camp Trek, this is a classic. Everyone goes to this village. And it's like a hub. It's the social hub of all the villages in the mountains there. And it's the name Bazaar because this is where they have like, um, kind of like a farmer's market would be. Okay. And people sell all their food and their goods and all this kind of stuff and things like that. So we happened to get there on a day. And the cool thing about the city is you come up, so you cross this crazy bridge, like rickety, but it's like been rebuilt from the Swiss. So it's not as bad as it used to be, but it's still like way gnarly. Um, like, you know, rope, it imagines like a rope bridge, but it's like a little sturdier. It's like metal cables, but okay. still kind of swingy. Um, and you come up and around this corner, and it's this huge amphitheater, this massive amphitheater in the mountains, and it's just terraced with all these stone houses, and they're usually like a gray stone with like um, bright blue tin roofs or like a metal roof. It's mm -hmm. so striking, and they'll have um, some, they'll paint blue around the windows and stuff or like blue shutters. I don't know. It's just beautiful city, and it's all in kind of a big amphitheater, and so we had our camp. Um, on one of the terraces, and we were just sleeping in tents with our bags and stuff like that. But I remember, like, waking up in the morning and just seeing this beautiful view and the mountains. And you're, like, once you get in the Himalayas and you come back here, you look at our mountains and you're like, they're so cute. <laughs> like, we're so proud of our mountains in Utah, but they're, like, like there. They just are a, they are a presence. And you get to hike near the mountain called Amadablan which is just, uh, it's a huge mountain. Um, and it just has like a square, it's almost like a square top. And it just juts out. And it looks almost like a face with a square hat. But she's just so imposing and beautiful. And you can see the hanging glaciers. Like these are glaciers that are so high up there. And then there's cliffs right below them. And the glaciers are like frozen pouring over them. And 
and you mm. they're so big and so high you can see them from so far away anyway you're just intimidated but anyway that was i was just super stunned by namchi bazaar any of your thoughts on that they have a post office up there so i mailed myself a postcard um what <laughs> <laughs> i mailed myself a postcard from from namchi um and i oh, actually okay. made it back home to salt lake before it did Oh, you got home before it did. Uh-huh. <laughs> I yeah. remember there was a like I took a picture of you in there with your you got your little stamp and your mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And they just kind of throw it in a bag behind them. You're like, Wait, did you write anything on it, or was it just, or did you just send it? Yeah, I don't remember what I wrote, but yeah, I sent it to to myself at work. And you're like, it'll never get there. <laughs> and it's only <laughs> not if you just throw it behind you. It was pretty impressive. You're all like, do you remember how much you loved <laughs> warmth? <It's> just. <laughs> I mean, the weather actually was pretty decent hiking. I would say 70s. We did where we were there in April, mm-hmm. and it was going to be an 11, 13 day trek. And I mean, most of us uphill. Yeah, you could up. you could hike in at the lower elevations. A t- you know, short sleeve and and shorts or long wow. pants. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the low, like up to this point, we were. Mm-hmm. The mornings were still cool, but I remember on our way, like when we spent an extra day in Namchi, and we saw we hiked up to some of the local monastery or like a little. There was like a museum and some other stuff in Namchi, and there was the military. Do you remember they were up there mm-hmm. hiking around? And we hadn't at that point even thought about like the political situation in Nepal, but there was some crazy stuff going on with the Chinese Maoist. Was it Maoists? The Maoist rebels were fighting against China. I can't remember how it all worked, but anyway, but there was like rebels in the mountains currently oh. when we were up there, and yeah, that was the Nepali you know, military that were up there patrolling because Everest, like this trekking route is so popular and brings in so much money. You know, they want to make sure it stays safe. So, but it was really interesting mm-hmm. to see them there. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a, you know, kind of a slap in the face. Anyway, um, can we share Teng Boucher, the monastery? And then remember, so the next day we made it to Teng Boucher, Um And this is um, just this beautiful monastery where they're like a Buddhist monastery, like legitimate orange robes and all this shaved heads and just beautiful, way, way high. Um, mm. And we camped nearby. It was just gorgeous. I remember in the tops of the mountains and the magnolia trees. Do you remember those? It must have had a wonderful presence about it. Oh, it was it was very spiritual. It mm. was a, a place you would like, yeah, move. Yeah, it was a really beautiful place. And then after that, we went to... Um, Ding Boche and Ding Boche on day six at 14,271 feet. That was going to be a rest day. And do you want to tell them what happened up at Ding Boche? Well, I think I thought it was just after or just before we got there that um, we hit 15,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And that was the highest point I'd ever been in my <clears> life. <throat> and I remember thinking it was pretty exciting. But at that point, we were wearing long pants, and I had a coat on because there was a lot of mist and clouds and stuff. But I, I just I remember celebrating 15,000 feet before we got into that city. Mm-hmm. So we must have gone down a little bit to get to the city. We spent the night there. And then the next morning... <laughs> Well, that night, oh, that night is when we got pulled out our puffy coats. Yeah. Our huge down puffy coats and just were dorks and, and just ran around puff bun, bouncing into each other. 
pretended like we were Martians from outer space having a <laughs> anyway, space war. You don't need to hear all that craziness. I feel like we do. <laughs> like we do. Uh, when the air is thin, this is the, the things you do. <laughs> but the next morning. That's funny. So we woke up the next morning and Hunt, one of the, one of the guys from our trip, um, was not getting out of his bag. And his tent mate um, was struggling to get him awake. And, um, you know, kind of, anyway, it came came about that he had. um, Like, he would look like he was shaking. I remember seeing him. His face was pale. He had no idea who he was. He was mumbling incoherently. He looked like someone who had Parkinson's, like a severe case of Parkinson's. He was just tremoring, like he was shaking. And couldn't just stand on his own. Couldn't stand up. It was was weak and frail. Altitude, like. So we were like, what's going on? And um, we had a sat phone. One of our guys um, sent out a message on the sat mm-hmm. phone. And just, yeah, we just happened to be near one of the only two first aid units on the trail. Oh. And yeah, there was a doctor and a, and a nurse or something that came over to check him out, had some equipment. And um, before too long at an emergency evac helicopter came. Well, remember the Nepali guys took him down? Like, I remember, like, they, I remember one of the porters got him on his back, like, as a piggyback, and just ran down to the first aid unit. You know, after the, the doctor was nearby, and it came in, he's like, oh, no, he's got haste, is what he said. Oh. So, H-A-C-E, high-altitude cerebral edema. Oh, no. <clears throat> so, this is one of the, um, it can be fatal, yeah. Um, at high altitude illnesses, um, when your body is just not adapting and not getting the oxygen it needs, um, it starts, you know, it starts really affecting your brain. Your brain is swelling and doing all this sort of stuff. And he's like, he has to get down fast. It's a weird thing. Like, and it could happen to anybody, no matter what your fitness is. But if it gets, if you keep going up an elevation or even stay at that current elevation, you will die. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they ran. I remember the like the little porter like boogied down. I was like, these guys are super tough. I think it was one behind, you know. But the two of them ran down to the first aid unit and they put him in a a gamow bag, G A M O, and it's a high. It's um, what are they called? Pressurized. Yeah, a pressurized um, pressure bag, um, that's supposed to help simulate you're going down in elevation. And a lot of times that's all you need if it's not a bad case. But it did not help him, and so. Do you want to leave it at that as a cliffhanger for next episode? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so we leave you with Hunt in the Gamma bag at Ding Boucher at 14,000 feet. Um, you'll have to join us next time to see what happens to the rest for our part three final series of our three-part episode from All Mountain Mamas. Erin, <laughs> we're so glad to have you today, and we're glad for your time and everything. We just adore you. Um, and, yeah, just grateful to have you here. Yeah, and of course, if you would like to hear more episodes, and I know you want to because you need to find <laughs> out what happened, then make sure that you're clicking subscribe or follow, depending on if you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, whatever, so that you are getting those episodes um, as they are updated. And of course, check out our website, mountainmamas.org, M-T-M-A-M-A-S.org. And that's it for today's adventure. Join us next time. And as always, remember, the woman's place is in the mountains.